Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. I do believe that there's something special in store uh, for you this Sunday morning. My name is Brad and my wife Shelby and I are part of the leadership team here. Uh, we're excited to be here. It's, I was talking to Pastor Stephen just before today that as we've been going back and forth between the West Campus, I was like, it, it feels like it's been a month since we've been in service together, but he's over at West preaching over there and I know he's doing it. And the importance and value of forgiveness in relationships and I heard so many good things about that is it challenged us and spoke to us about just some relationships that we may need to ask for forgiveness in. But one thing I love about our church is that we are a relationally driven church, that we believe in encouraging, empowering people to live in a healthy and authentic and growing relationship with Jesus. But we also see the importance of connecting with people in relationship. This morning I got a set up and kind of get things going with a few guys. Got to be with Troy and Josh here as well as my father came out to help us out. But it was just, it's just a great way to, to set things up for us to be able to have a place where we can come and we can um, allow God to, to move through the time of worship, through the time of speaking uh, and speak to us. And so it's just a, a great way for that connection to take place. Um, as we were doing that, um, I haven't met you and done much with you, Josh, but I just felt like you're a really genuine guy, and I just want to encourage you this morning that 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 genuine nature of you is something that has value and that you bring to relationships, and to never forget that, and to be encouraged in that, that you bring a genuineness of just being who you are, and to continue walking in that. Um, And for Troy, I I was actually, as I was showering this morning, I know too much information, but uh, (laughs) to get off the joking aspect of it, I just discern things. I really felt that just it was on my heart that, that you have the ability to discern things. With discernment, it means you see things in a perspective that other people don't see it. And I just want to encourage you that sometimes discernment can allow you to see things and question things, um, and it can be like, well, what do I do with this? Like, how is no one else seeing this? But actually, it can actually be something that's positive that allows, um, we can view it as a negative thing of like, how does someone not see this thing that I'm seeing that's an issue, or we can see it as something that you can identify things that others can't see, that you can call things out in people. Um, you can be able to see something that brings life or a positive, if it's used that way. So I want to encourage you in that. Uh, this, this past month of January, a few of us are here. Pastor Stephen, he's talked about it a little bit, but he, he challenged us and encouraged us to participate with him in reading through the whole Bible in a month, which is called the Bible Shred. And I remember going through it, and it was a challenge at times to get through it, but I was so reminded of this picture within the whole story of God's desire to be in relationship with his creation. From the very beginning in Genesis, we see Adam and Eve and God creating a garden and a space where he could walk amongst his creation, where his spirit could be there and connecting with them. 
to the time of Abraham. And he makes a covenant with Abraham. And there's going to be a promise of a blessing for his generations to come. We're a part of that generation. We're a part of that blessing of those that were the descendants after Abraham. But it didn't end there. God was intentional about creating a space with his people. For the Israelites, he created the tabernacle and the temple as a place where he intentionally dwelt in the midst of his people. But then he sent Jesus to dwell among us, to connect and relate to us in the flesh. And Jesus connected with the disciples and through that was able to establish the church, which we are part of still today, and sent the Holy Spirit to empower us in that. As we continue our series on rethinking relationships, I want to talk to us about a biblical perspective on relationships and actually speak to us of how our culture's perspective on relationship is a bit different um, than God's perspective. I believe that community is God's desire for us. That as we gather together in community, there's a process that takes place that allows us to mature, that actually challenges us in moments, that takes us out of our complacency or our ability just to like sit back and do nothing, but actually pushes us forward. Relationships are challenging, but they're so fruitful when we're a part of them. I remember reading an article that was talking about how good social relationships are the most consistent predictor of a person's happiness. And I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And as I was reading through it, they were, they were sharing from different surveys that it was talking about that actually good social relationships and happiness allowed um, people to have a healthier lifestyle, have a healthier life, and to live longer. That being in good relationship actually helps your physical health as well as your longevity. And they are speaking to this aspect that when people experience positive relationships, not only do they feel happy, but they are more content and calm with their life. Now, when people experience negative relationships, they often feel anxious, depressed, that they would agree with. Yeah, there's happiness, there's emotion, there's you feeling good about yourself that comes from relationship. And we would also agree with that as Christians, but what I want to speak to this morning is that there's actually something different about biblical relationships. They actually require something for, from us. We're going to be really reading from Ephesians 5, so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn there. But in Ephesians 5, there's some challenging things that are spoken about here. There's some challenging words that are addressed, that are brought up. But I want to talk about the context of God's perspective on these terms on what's being described in this in regards to relationships. We're going to talk about marriages specific, a part of. There's also a part in here that talks about children and parents, as well as workplace relationships. And I think each one of us, there's something today that God wants to speak to us. My heart today, my intention is to, to get out of the way and allow God's word to speak to you and to challenge you in the way that he wants to see that happen um, this morning. So let's begin in Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 21 to 33. It starts saying, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. 
He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. Isn't that the truth? So that it may go well with you. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now to the part I got to. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. I feel like if you figure out marriages, it will also go well with you and you'll have a long life. And I think there's some keys today that could help you with that. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is, which is that biblical relationships are countercultural. There is a way that our, our, our world goes about doing things, that there's some connections, but there is a different mindset. And when we approach relationships from the mindset of our world's perspective, it does twist and manipulate the intention that God has for relationships. Now, within this section that we've just read through, the word that's there, submit, is actually a Greek word, hupotasso. This word in Greek is often used as a military word, referring to the arranging of a troop division under the command of a leader. But it does also have some non-military context where it's speaking of a voluntary attitude of giving in of cooperating, of assuming responsibility, and even carrying a burden. There's been, you understand that culturally this word is very triggering for many people because culturally this word has been used to speak to something of superiority and inferiority. It's often been used in such a way where people are mistreated or even exploited. But that's not the context of what's being spoken to here. We do link with superiority and inferiority. However, I do believe there's a difference between voluntary submission, where you're choosing to come under authority, and to be exploited by authority, which is not right and something I do view as unacceptable, something that should not be accepted within the church, within the workplace, or within even marriage relationships. It's a challenging thing to think about, but there's more depth that I think will share this a little bit more clearly for us. We must remember that first verse where I started, verse 21, the opening verse where it says to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 21 of Ephesians 5, this aspect of laying something down as you enter into a relationship. My second point this morning is that biblical relationships require a mindset shift for us from getting to giving. We focus so much on what am I getting out of this relationship? That earlier part that I talked about these studies, many people look at, well, I'm going to find happiness if I get out of relationships what I want to get out of them. But too often we don't think about what am I giving to this relationship? What is the value of what I'm giving? Is it more about what I get out of it or more what I can have to bring into this relationship, which may actually involve 
laying down what you could be getting out of that relationship. The concept of submission speaks of a metaphor that reflects the relationship of Christ and the church operating in harmony together. It speaks to a relationship of trust between Christ and the church, which is essential for any healthy marriage relationship. We can't lose the picture of what's being described here by Paul. I love that Paul also um, quotes in Acts 20, 35. He says, he's quoting the words of, of Jesus, where Jesus had said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is the concept I want us not to miss this morning, that it is more blessed for us to think about what are we giving to relationships rather than what are we very blessed with just the relationship we've had and the journey that we've, we've come through um, in our years of marriage. But I remember early on there was a decision that we made that the foundation of our relationship would begin with communication. That we recognize that there would be times that we would disagree. There would be times in our relationship that we, we would see things from a different perspective. If anybody's early in a marriage, you realize that two people coming together in marriage means two people's ways of doing things entering into a relationship. Now, I think most of us as husbands can realize quite quickly that the way that we may have set up the house and ran things as a bachelor, we can submit that under that the wife knows best about reality. Our place is going to look and be presentable to others. But the reality is there's other things within the relationship that are more challenging. And these challenging things are the things that allow us to put to, into practice what God is talking about in the marriage relationship. The act of loving one's wife and fulfilling the husband's role involves complete sacrifice. This very idea is something that's countercultural. Self-sacrifice is not something that our culture often speaks about in relation to what we're getting out of marriages what we're getting out of relationships. Because often it still does focus on what am I getting? What value does this relationship? Laying one's life down for their wife as Christ laid down his life for the church is no simple task, but that's what it's being asked of in this verse. Furthermore, to treat her as the husband himself would want to be treated should leave no room for mistreatment in the marriage relationship. Now the responsibility of the wife is no less daunting in this metaphor, as women are called to respect their husbands, but also lay down control and see the husband in a similar way to how they see Christ. Now let me be clear. I fully believe that both men and women are created equal. And Genesis makes it clear that in this creation, that they were created as equal partners or even using the work together in doing that. The challenging part is that there is a hierarchy in God's kingdom and this can make things challenging for our interpretation of scriptures. Now, I do believe marriage is divine ordinance, established by God. And as we saw in this passage, it's to mimic the relationship of Christ and the church. There's a very clear reason why Paul is using this metaphor to make the connection between both. Furthermore, if both parties do what they are expected by God to do, then I believe the cultural stigma that has been created around the word submission can be dealt with because no one would feel oppressed or inferior if we're willing to come ask this relationship thinking about and empower the person that's in this relationship. Paul is not speaking about duties, or sorry, Paul is speaking about duties, but not about rights. It is not the right of a husband to have his wife to submit, 
but it is his duty to lay his, de- his life down for his wife. It's a challenging thought when we think about it. Now, my point today is not to justify an egalitarian or complementarian perspective, and many people have asked me about these, and half the time I have to go read both, but again, and many times I'll be like, yeah, I agree with both of them, or no, I disagree with both, but most times I come back to, if we're getting caught up in putting a label on men, the challenge is that when we put on labels to fit our current times, I believe we run the risk of losing sight of God's intended purpose, intended purpose behind relationships. Again, we're getting to the point of we want to get this label so that it can fit within our definition, our acceptance of what we're wanting to get out of relationships. But labels will always have flaws within them. For me, um, I know that sometimes it has come up within the church, and if, if you're a part of our church, you will see um, women in leadership. You will see women speaking from the stage. You will see women in... For me, if, if Pastor Britt or Pastor Kelly at our West Campus ever asked me to do something in a leadership position for me to submit under her authority and follow what she's calling me into, I would do that. Because it's about the relationship and about that I see them as, as spiritual parents. I see... Uh, Pastor Stephen Britt as um, spiritual colleagues, still our, our leaders in leading us into where God's called us as a church to go and the vision for that. And that there's a healthy aspect of, of laying down for the vision of what they, they are walking forward into for us and the battles that they're facing that I would gladly follow into. I know in my own marriage, Shelby and I have things that um, there's moments, even right now, um, and Shelby's taking the lead on, she's really passionate about this right now, but how can the things we're eating, how can the lifestyle we're living, how can the things we're doing add to our health? And so I gladly submit under that um, passion that she has for that and empower her to lead in that area what I, in a way that I know is best for our family. In other situations, like finances, Shelby's not here, but she's fine if I talk about her. She's one of those spenders. You know, she loves pretty things. And you can never have enough pretty things. I'm more of the saver that likes to kind of like, are we sure we need that? But the reality is we decided as a couple when we entered our marriage that we wanted to live a debt-free lifestyle. Everything else, we've been able to live a debt-free lifestyle. But with that came some sacrifices of how we were going to live. And with that came me taking a little bit of ownership and saying we need a budget. And Shelby being willing to say, you know what? I understand that that's what's best for our family. I still want to spend. That doesn't change that aspect with, with how she wants to spend and purchase certain things. But I'm willing to submit under that and trust that this is what's best for our family and that we've communicated and had a conversation around it together for what's better, best for our relationship. Coming back to this, I do believe that when we commit their lives voluntarily, this aspect of both parties involved in the marriage relationship submitting to one another out of reverence for the Lord, that we see the true model of relationships within marriage that was being talked about here. This really means that both love God more than they love themselves, and that's what they're bringing in to the marriage relationship and really into any relationship. My challenge to husbands is to think about how they can lay down their life for the well-being and empowerment of their wife. 
My challenge to wives today is to think about how you can respect your husband by releasing control to empower the covering of the husband in your home. My biblical relationships are a spiritual battle. When we come back to this term, hupatasso, as I was talking about earlier, it is a military term. And I believe that Paul was using it in a military context here. I have a friend that was in the military, and she was explaining to me basic training. And as she was explaining basic training, she was talking about that all soldiers have to go through basic training, and the intention of it is to break the will of the individual. They're very intentional about it. And that's because they want, if an individual is going to break or crack under pressure, they want that to happen in basic training rather than on the battlefield. But this means they need to get soldiers to a point where to do things their way, to being able to submit under the leadership of their commander. And that's not only for the benefit of them, but that when they get on the battlefield, that they're willing, without question, to follow what the commands of their leader is for the safety of themselves, but also for the safety of their fellow soldiers. They often say that most people will die in battle when uh, an order has been disregarded, not understanding the bigger picture that's at play, and people's lives end up being lost as a cause of this. Now you may be thinking, okay, Brad, that's a cool connection to this, but my wife and I are not soldiers. However, I would beg to differ with this, and I would argue that Paul also has a different perspective on this. And the part on relationships is right before Paul reminds us to put on the armor of God. I also want us to, to remember some aspects that are before this, but recognizing that we are in a spiritual battle. And if a marriage relationship is compared to the relationship between Christ and the church, then this battle is clearly important in this context. There's a battle for our relationships. There's a battle for our marriage that we need to be aware of. What I love about Ephesians 5 is, is before Paul gets into this, he actually begins Ephesians 5 talking about the importance for us to follow the example of Jesus, to be imitators of Christ. He goes on to say the way we go about doing is being empowered by the Spirit. He talks about the Spirit is the one that leads us and empowers us to overcome the challenges that we will all be facing. There will be things in this world, there will be sins that we have that each one of us will face and have to overcome. But Paul's reminding them, follow Jesus. There's an example that's been given before you. Be an imitator of Christ, empowered by the Spirit, because then in these relationships that you're in, you will know how to face them, and you can do it by putting on the armor of God. Let's not miss the fact that healthy biblical relationships are counter 12. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is the part that's followed by Paul telling us to put on the full armor of God. Church, your enemy is not your spouse. Your enemy is not your children. Your enemy is not your parents. It's not even your employer. Your enemy is not your relationships. It's against the evil principalities in our spiritual world, and we need to be aware of that. There is a battle that we're in that impacts every relationship we're in. When we become aware of that, when we start thinking counterculturally about what it is that I can get formed in the relationships we have in our life, 
where a harmony comes between the two in that relationship that I think is fruitful and also brings glory to God through that relationship because we're now living by a biblical standard in relationships rather than our worldly standard. Your relationships do require a spiritual battle to take place. Now, I don't want to shift past those last sections that we were talking about. The first one talking about um, parents and children. I do believe that for many of us, there will be different things that we can connect to today, but I believe that there's something in store for each one of us of healing that can take place in a relationship that we have. For some, this, this is that type of relationship. The, I know in, in teaching junior high kids, I, I often see the beginning of this rebellious stage of like, I'm beginning to figure things out, and who do my, how do my teachers know everything, or how do my parents know everything? I think I could know just as much as them. There's this kind of pushback that begins to happen. But there's a, a difference of learning what that means and that struggle and actually recognizing that there's a way we can go about doing things that is honoring to the people that are in authority over us. As children, it's a little bit different context when we're talking about this idea of submission because most of a child's life, at least about 18 years of it, the choice is different than the marriage relationship where the choice or submission is a choice to come into or let you into the world. They have cared for you. They have done these things. The reality is not all these relationships are perfect. And not all your parents have got things right, or parents today that are here. But there is an aspect of honoring that I believe is so important here. And when we, when we learn to do that, when a child learns to honor their parents, even when they want their own way, that we see a healthy biblical relationship of something that speaks far beyond the aspects that we see in the home of children pushing back or, or parents responding in a certain way. The challenge is there's two parts of this relationship. If we want our children to truly honor or if we want to understand what it gets to, to be in that place where honoring is more easy, them to that place where they're wanting to fight with you in the things that are taking place of this is what you need to do. I know for us who have young kids, the word no comes up quite quickly in their vocabulary. But the reality is that there's a way about going, about raising your children as a parent that starts from a place of love and empathy where you can teach your kid responsibility and that their choices have consequences. And you can do that in a way that brings um, love into the situation and empathy what they're, with what they're going through, but also that thing of, they're accountable for the actions that they have. And you will love them through that, but they will face the weight of their my kid up in the ways of the Lord in a way that doesn't exasperate them, but loves them and holds them accountable. That I think the other aspect of that relationship is also easier, that when ch children are like, well, I don't agree with my parents or how they did things, but I'm willing to honor that they're doing their best. When those two things can work, even in their flawed state at times, I do believe we see this biblical picture of God working in families, restoring relationships, healing brokenness in a way that can speak to the rest of our world. The last relationship I just want to talk about here is, um, in the context of this, we are talking about the Roman world. So Paul is talking about the Roman household. The Roman household of this time and the culture of this time had slaves. The closest connection we can make, not going to get into unpacking all the, the slave aspects, how it's different than our more modern aspect of, of slavery or even the African slave trade, but there is a connection here to workplace environments. There's actually an authority when you enter into a place that you're working for someone else. And I love that Paul's speaking to something that 
whether it was a slave to a slave owner or an employee to an employer, he's recognizing that things don't always operate as they should be because you're working from the world's perspective. You're working in the cultural setting of our world. So workplace relationships will have this aspect. But I love that he says here, work really hard, but as slaves of Christ or workers of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. It's a mindset shift again. If we were doing our job or we were doing the task that's been asked of us as if it was for the Lord, what would our attitude be? What would be the perspective we would go about doing it? The reality is I think if, if we want to talk to someone who's in leadership that's doing things incorrectly, there's no better model of doing it than them being able to recognize, I didn't treat that person very well, but that didn't dictate how they operated or how they acted in regards to the task that was asked of them. Um, again, I'm not saying that like abusive relationships or mistreatment, different way that you go about doing things in your workplace. And I actually think that many times in our life, if we're serving someone, one day we would like to start our own business, one day we'd like to start our own ministry, that the preparation for that is in the willingness to submit under someone else's leadership. Even if they have a different way of going about it, even if they have a different way that you're like, well, that's not the right way to do it, that's unkind that they're doing it that way. We get an opportunity in these moments to actually decide, how am I living my life for the Lord? How do the actions of my life build and develop my character, regardless of how that person who's in authority over me in this position is acting and treating me? Let's recap. Healthy relationships in marriage, the family, and the workplace first start with imitating Christ and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. We then need to remember that living relationally in these areas requires wearing God's full armor in order to bring our best to these relationships. I'm just going to ask the keys um, to come back up in this moment. And as we close, I want to read out the armor of God. So we've talked about in Ephesians 5 to 6, there's this build up to him saying, here's how you live for Christ. And here's how you do it within relationships that you're all going to face in your life. And then he reminds us that it's a spiritual battle and to put on the full armor of God. I want to read it in a different way me to do this year. So I thought, what better way than to do it in one month in the Bible shred? But it has a different perspective of going about it. I'm usually one of those people that like as close to a word-for-word translation as possible because I want to get the true context and meaning out of it. But as I read through this, it reminded me to get past the perspective of my analytical mindset and always having to nitpick things to actually get to the heart of what is God trying to say what has he equipped us with to face the challenges that we face in our relationships and in our world and so it kind of reads I kind of make the joke sometimes like something my one of my students would write if it, it is all the heart behind what it's saying is so relevant for us so I'm going to read passage about the armor of God in Ephesians 5, or sorry, Ephesians 6, 10. Paul says, and that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. 
You are up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so, when that, so that when it's all over, but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are all more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them. Prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. For me, it's just a, such an incredible picture of God has given us the tools we need in a practical way. Sometimes I get caught up in this, like, okay, I'm going to put on the belt of truth. and don't really know what that means, but I'll pretend the belt's going on. Rather than just thinking about what does it mean to walk in truth? What does it mean to speak even honestly or, or not lie about things? What does it mean to know that Jesus has said that if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, that he's promised me salvation? That whatever lies come into my head, whatever questions and concerns I have, that I can settle on that thought. God, I don't understand everything, but I know your promises for me. I know that you sent your son. How can we practically apply so many of these things that God has given us? I love that he, like, it talks about the sword of the spirit in most translations, but it just says the word of God, the Bible, is an indispensable weapon. If it's our most valuable weapon, <clears throat> how good is that weapon if we never read it? <clears throat> I know for me, prayer has been something that I can go through the motions of prayer, but to be very intentional about what are the things God's asked me to pray into. What are the moments that God is saying, you have all said in prayer, not needing to get your own way, get your own things, but just listen. To pray into the things that I want for your life, to shift some of your thinking. In this verse it says, in the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. It's reminding us of this spiritual battle. I know for myself as, as a kid, as we moved to different places, relationships were always something that each place I went to, I was like, am I gonna have any friends? Am I gonna fit in at a new school? For many of us, we have questions about, will my parents ever understand me? Will they ever realize how they did things wrong? Will my kids ever realize how much they're loved? We get to make those decisions of what do we bring into relationships. As we close this morning, I want to read from first of all this, it begins with love. And again, not the love that's just talked about from our world and our culture about a feeling and an emotion to get happiness, but actually a sacrificial love that was best modeled by Christ. In 
1 John 4, in verse 7, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we... Dear friends, since, we, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is love, God, God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day fear and love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Just as we close today, I'm just gonna ask that every head is bowed. To me, this passage from first, it's a message of love and a God who would send his one and only son for us to give his life but in a way that he connected with every hurt that we experience, every mistreatment that we face, every broken relationship that leaves us emotionally drained. Jesus knew those experiences because God sent his son into the world. He said, if we only acknowledge him and recognize this, that he has such a greater promise for us and at the end, he reminds us that we get to be this representation for Jesus to our world. Church, if there's anybody here this morning that's never asked Jesus into their heart or this morning would like to make a rededication to say that love, that commitment, I want to recommit today to pursue Christ. I'm just going to ask that you slip your hand up and I want to pray with you. going to ask that we all stand. I'm going to pray for us, but I hope I that today we want to be a breakthrough moment. Today we want to see a relationship restored. We want to see a broken relationship come back together. We want to see healing in a relationship, and I want to pray for you. I don't think there's anything extra spiritual about actually walking forward to do something but actually it's a more physical practical thing for us more than for God that when we actually are willing to take a step forward willing to get out of our, our comfort zone that we remember that moment 
And God's able to say, you know that battle that you were facing? You know that relationship that wasn't working out? Remember that moment that you, from that moment that you included me in the process till you welcomed me in and said, enough is enough. That's, it's not going forward this way. My healing was released in that moment. So in a moment, I'm gonna call forward people who want prayer for any relationship. But Jesus, just as we close, I thank you, Lord God, that you did send your son for each one of us. As we reflect on that today, as we reflect on, as we've asked you into our heart, Jesus, that your love is within us, that there's nothing we need to do, that there's not a checklist of things we need to accomplish before. That love is within us. We now get to walk out with that love into our world, into our relationships, thinking about what we have to give more than what we're getting out of those relationships so that your love through us can shine in this world, Lord God. And I just pray that and I impart that over each person that's here this morning. Amen. So I'm just gonna ask those who want prayer, I'm gonna get the rest of the worship team to come back up. I'd love to pray with you up here. Um, over those relationships. If you are sitting in your seat, we're gonna enter back into that song that we had just sang last. And I want you to think about what is a relationship. Let's not just think about what was shared and the head knowledge of maybe what God has spoken to us, but actually think about practically what would this look like in my world? What is something that I could shift in the relationships that I have and what I bring into them? Or what is an area that I need healing? And I want to start by just extending forgiveness in this relationship today. So I'm going to be up here. If, if you want to come for prayer, I encourage you, make that step forward. And I want to stand with you today in the breakthrough that's coming in your world. And we're going to sing this song as we close. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.